You are listening to Curious and Conscious, a podcast for the mind. Today we're talking with Wesley Chapman. He is the founder of A Human Project, as well as the founder of Super Human Life. This is definitely a guy you want to hear from. So I want to start off by saying I read a lot about everything you're doing, and it's super interesting, but I have to say, I have to start off the show with you giving a little bit of your background story, because it's very tragic, but also super fascinating to see where you are today. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I guess, where do you want me to start? <laughs> it's, uh, it's <laughs> I know, that was, a, that was a very broad question, but you do have a video on your website, and it's it's longer, and people can check that out on your site, which I will list on the blog. But I guess just a little bit about um, the circumstances you had growing up and how that might have molded you to do what you are doing today which is reaching out to help youth who might be in similar situations yeah so i'll give just a quick synopsis is that when i was one i was abandoned by my biological father and um, at six and a half i was abandoned by my biological mother and between the ages of one and six and a half uh, right after my dad left my mom found a another gentleman really quick uh, and uh, he he was a dark individual, a very abusive man, did all forms of different types of abuse. And abuse is kind of a word that, um, you know, we just use to put everything in a box. But uh, I would probably classify some of the, some of the things as, as torture. Um, it was everything from physical, emotional, and even sexual abuse. And, you know, if, if we did something wrong, he would chain us up to a link fence, leave us out in the summer or... Uh, if you've ever heard the phrase uh, in the doghouse, um, that was a very literal thing for me. Uh, yeah. We would be put into a doghouse and have a, a you know chain around our neck and be forced to eat dog food out of a dog dish and, and sleep in the doghouse and just different things like that on the abuse side. And on the sexual abuse side, it was, it, this kind of sounds weird, but your stereotypical, like what you see in a Hollywood movie, I guess, where... You know, you're you're in bunk beds and it's night and a dark figure comes over you. I mean, there's there mm-hmm. was that. There was also um, there was also times when he would take his his brothers or his friends and they would be drunk and they would form a circle around myself and my little brother and and uh, they you know they would see how they what they could do whether it's pornography or or forcing us to drink alcohol or or different things like that. So that was my early childhood. And then as I said, my mom. Um, because of that, I did a lot of acting out. I did a lot of, you know, uh, temper tantrums. And so of course they, something was wrong with me. They didn't really go into the home environment. They just figured I was, uh, because of my father's status and my mother's status when, when I was conceived, my mother was a teen runaway and my dad was, excuse me, and my dad was an ex-con. So they basically just said he was a drug baby. So, you know, he's got some mental issues and, and, uh, and so that was as far as they went. So they just classified me as a problem child, and and so she was taking me in and out of hospitals and and different places. I was on medications and all these different things. And so finally, one time we went to a hospital, and she didn't come back. So that was that was the start of my childhood. And then of course, you know, when you don't have your biological parents in your life, that leads you down a whole another a whole another trek. Uh, and there was more abuse and more things that happened and pretty much that my life just kind of continued to go through this molding period, I guess is a good way of putting it, until I was about 18 years old and then the abuse and some things stopped and 
I took some control of my life and started another journey. But that's the childhood kind of synopsis. It's very, very, very brief. It's really interesting because I was listening to you retell the story when I read, I mean, you've really suffered every kind of abuse. And that's, I guess, sort of interesting because you always think of, you know, sexual abuse and, and, you know, physical abuse and all these different kinds. But you you kind of were like um, almost an experiment, it seemed like, for your... Uh, the man in your life that your mother I was she married to him or yeah she married him and then um, the the family that I the woman that actually saved my life she um, who I call mom she ended up marrying another man who was very very physical and uh, verbally abusive so and he he left us when I was uh, I think I was 16 mm-hmm. um, so you know that was there was still abuse that carried there, and, and quite frankly, and, and we they've done tons of studies and they've done all kinds of stuff on different forms of abuse, and and it would surprise people what the most damaging form of abuse is. It's not what you think it is, but um, verbal abuse is, is definitely up there. Yeah, it's still not yeah. the, it's mm-hmm. still not the most uh, damaging form of abuse, but it's it's higher than sexual abuse as far as the brain and and um, the continuing effects that it has on you. So. It's just very interesting. I don't know why. I, I never even think about it, not my process of thought. But, uh, yeah, I went through uh, different forms of abuse through my life. Yeah, I would agree with you that verbal abuse obviously has gotten, you know, it's kind of been pushed aside, but it is something that's it's really damaging. But I just think it's interesting because you experienced so much, and then you came out doing what you do, which do you want to talk a little bit about um, a human project? Because I think it's amazing. It's a nonprofit for children. Or, I'm sorry. Is it children? It, it, yes, it's, a it's children. So I have an adult program, which is Superhuman Life, and then the, the youth program, which is a human project. Okay. And I see that you are speaking in schools. Are, are Where do you speak? Is it all across the country? Or I, are you? Yeah, I speak all across the country. I was just in... Um, Let's see. I just did a just got done with a forty five day road trip. I was in Washington, Nevada, um, Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, or yeah, Minnesota. Uh, geez, I can't remember Texas. I, I I'm all over the place. <laughs> I gotcha. And what is your main message that you're trying to get out to kids? Are do you share your story in hopes that maybe that'll resonate with them and and kind of inspire them, or are you trying to empower them individually? Like, what is what what is the message you want to get out there? Yeah, so we, you know, there's, it's not just about my story. Obviously, that part of my story kind of gets them to feel comfortable and feel safe. Um, But uh, it's really, it's a very interactive presentation. Uh, I mean, I sit the kids in the, like, we, you know, they'll bring the the auditorium, we'll we'll fill up, you know, and and, uh, very interactive, we have a little fun, uh, but it's very real. I, I guess if anything, I bring a very real message to them. We don't, you know, I don't sit and talk for 45 minutes about my story. I, I do that as quickly as I can, build the rapport, build the trust. And go, we go deep into just where they are, who they are, what they need. I, I guess if you – I don't really have just one message because every presentation that I give is tailored to that school. So I guess I'll take a back step. What I do is the school reach out to me, tell me what their, you know, their top five things that they would like to see change in their school – and then I build storytelling and in interaction around those five principles. And I also have a team of volunteers who every school we go into, 
they do a little research for me on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook and just see what the kids are saying. You know, what, what are the children dealing with? What oh, that's interesting. So you, you look at their social media, their individual social oh, yeah. media. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah, find? We, what, do you, what are you seeing in, in their social media today? Uh, a lot of girl-on-girl bullying mm-hmm. uh, is, is always, I mean, it's just, it's always there, which is sad. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a lot of teacher bullying. Um, that's really, especially female teachers. Um, there's where their you know, teacher bullying would be where they're writing about their teachers on social media. No, or? if, if that was all it was and it wouldn't really be a big deal. Um, you know, they're doing different things where they'll take pictures of their female teacher, maybe bending over mm-hmm. or doing something like that. And then they'll post it out there and, and talk about, you know, sexual things. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been cases where teachers have been on like dating websites and, and, you know, kids will take their picture and, and bully them in that oh, regard. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine this because I was of the generation of no cell phones at that age. So this must be whole new yeah, territory. It is a whole new territory. And, and a lot of the conversation that I have with youth is about responsibility. And we, we live in a very, very terrifying time. In fact, just before you and I got on this, I was sent a video of a uh, a 60-year-old, 62-year-old teacher who took a cell phone from a student. And, I mean, this thing's had 23 million views, so I'm sure other people have seen it. But he was a 62-year-old, you know, teacher, took a cell phone from a student who was probably abusing the cell phone in class. Um, and this student stood up and literally beat the crap out of the teacher, threw him wow. on the ground, headbutted him, and took his phone back while... A, somebody was recording this, and B, the rest of the students were laughing and kind of doing that. And that's an extreme case, and it's not happening in every school in America by mm-hmm. any means. I mean, that is a very, 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 very small amount that's happening. But there's just a real lack of, of responsibility and discipline through our school system, and it just comes down to teachers are terrified, principals are terrified, administrators are terrified because parents use the S word you know, we're going to sue you. Right. So this is a really deep problem and we're kind of going off on a, on a little bit of a tangent, but this is a really deep problem that I do uh, try to address with the youth especially is that this all comes down to one thing. Um, you can look at a lot of different abuse, not all abuse, now please don't categorize this, but you can look at a lot of abuse and a lot of, a lot of things that are happening to these children on one thing. And so as was I go in and do these presentations, so first I talk to the school, then I go and I spend about 45 minutes to an hour with uh, the cool teachers. I ask the administration to bring <laughs> together the teachers that are considered the cool teachers, right. uh, the football coach, uh, or whatever their top sport is. Uh, I want that coach there, um, and then the school counselor or school counselors. And I have about a 45-minute meeting with all of those individuals and we talk um, what's going on. I've even invited the janitor to the bigger schools because the, the school janitor sees things that nobody else in the school sees. And so, wow, so you're really um, getting, you're getting everyone involved in that. So you're yes. not just going to a school and giving a presentation and leaving. You're really doing something before no. learning and tailoring it to that specific school. Exactly. So we go through that process and then I'll give my 45 minute uh, presentation and then the other uh, requirement that I ask of all schools that I speak in is that they block out a room for me for four hours, uh, wherein after my presentation, I invite any children who want to come and chat about anything uh, that they may be going through, 
that they have been hiding. I, I kind of go through this three thing. You're, you're one of three people. You're either dealing with something and you're hiding it. You're hiding something for your best friend or you have a feeling about another classmate that just doesn't feel right. And um, if you want to come and talk about any of those three things, come and chat with me. And so what we've statistically found is that out of a thousand students, uh, so if I give a presentation to a thousand students, 200 of them will come forward. And that's just, it doesn't matter if I'm in a, uh, you know, a school in Southern California or if I'm a school in, you know, Oklahoma. It just, that's statistically what we're wow. seeing. Mm -hmm. And so those four hours usually turn into, you know, a, a, most of the time I spend three days total at a school and uh, we'll have, you know, 20, 30 kids that come forward for the first time of being sexually assaulted. We'll have 10 or 15 kids who are coming forward with drug problems, uh, all these things. And then from there, we get them into support groups and the administration. I mean, we've had uh, parent interventions where the school will actually call a parent and you know, I'll sit with the child and the, and the, let's say the mom and, and they'll tell the mom for the first time about their abuse. And then we wow. get child protective services involved and we go through a whole process. And so I know you're, you're really the, getting really deep is what, what I'm yes. hearing here. You're getting really deep. So that's, so that's that. So your audience may be sitting on hold for that statement that I said before is that this one thing that is kind of driving this conversation and it's not all the time, but it's definitely a majority. I would say, you know, 40 to 60% of the time, it's money. It's this whole thing about the relationship people have with money. If they're mm -hmm. rich, it's still money. If they're poor, it's it's this relationship oh, with money I could as well. not agree with you more on that, yes. And so these children are in this world where their parents are either stressed out or they're you know delusional about money and the whole concept of, oh, we'll just sue to make money. Oh, we'll, once we have money, we'll be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, money will fix all the problems. Money's why your dad is so stressed out and comes home and drinks all night and beats you and, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's, that is, like I said, it's not every case, but it's a large majority of them. And so I do a lot of talking about money. I mean, I was a very successful entrepreneur. We didn't, you know, into that, I mean, I start my story off with actually talking to the kids about the nine cars they used to drive and the big house I had and the vacations and I'm like so excited and they, they think I'm going to give them the secret how to make a ton of money and then I show them how that money didn't do anything for me and we go through this whole, so in the ones we find out, you know, they're, they're doing what they're doing, whether it's stealing or whether it's, you know, beating other kids up I and mean, whatever it is, it's like I said, a good majority of that comes with this relationship that they have with money, whether it's their teachers, or excuse me, their parents who taught them, or it's society that's taught them about money. So That's very, I very that. interesting. I, I would not have, have guessed you to say that. I have a, a similar upbringing to you, and I, I think it's really interesting that you address that with them. Do you find that they're res responsive to what you're saying about, you know, you're coming with your story and saying that you had all this money and it wasn't necessarily, it didn't save you from your abuse or it didn't really have um, the happiness effect maybe that you thought it would. Do you think that they're receptive to that or? Oh, they're very receptive. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been very humbling. I mean, I, I mean, I don't mean this in any egotistical way or, or anything like that, but it's rare if I don't get a standing ovation. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really not, you know, and I, I really mean this, from the bottom of my heart it's not that i'm some fancy speaker and anything it's it's the energy it's the emotion that's created not just by me but by the interaction and the children allowing themselves to be vulnerable 
we break down a lot of walls. You know, I will, if, you know, if you're a child listening to this and I ever come to your school, if you're the kid that's on their cell phone or is, you know, chatting or is not, you know, not participating, I promise I will find you in the audience and I will come <laughs> sit right next to you and you, you will be either on stage with me within seconds or you and I will be having a one-on-one -on -one conversation in front of all of your peers. And it's not like I'm not calling you out, I'm not going to make fun of you, but it's, it's really allowing these children, for many of them, it's the very, very first time that they are in a position of being allowed to be vulnerable, in a position of being allowed to be who they are. I mean, I, I guess if, if all of this and all this customizing and everything, the one message that I give uh, you know, as a theme in every keynote, in every presentation is, is the, the conversation about be you, be who you are and be okay with that and, and accept that for yourself. You, you can't, you know, children especially want everyone to accept them. They want everyone to like them. They want it. They want to feel loved. And if they're not getting that from home, then they get really aggressive in the world to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And and the problem is, is that they don't believe in themselves to begin with. They, they, they're trying to mold and they're trying to do things, and that's totally natural. Every child, even in the perfect upbringing, every child is trying to do that. So, a big message that I have is BU. I have this, um, this little bracelet that I wear, and I talk to the youth about that. I give, give words or bumper stickers or like that away, but we give this little bracelet away that, that um, it's a, it's, it's a partner company called my intent that i work with myintent.org and uh it's literally this tiny little uh, bracelet with a little washer that has impounded you know any word that you want on it um and the word we have for the youth or bu and i mean we messages all the time about how every put down on their wrist and they they remember the message they remember that day they remember the feelings that they had and they're able to just continue moving forward with it i get you know, letter after letter after letter of the same story, which was, you came to my school, you allowed me to be honest, this is what's happened, my grades have improved, my relationship with my mom, my friends, have all these things, and most importantly, you've, you are, you know, I am now myself, and to those that I reply to, I always tell them, I didn't do anything, all I did was give you knowledge to give you the power to be to do all of this amazing stuff and and that's really true wow that's like that just that statement is enough to give you chills that's that's crazy that's awesome what you're doing so so yeah so there's there's so much um that people it, it's not complicated you know you, do you think you, that it's maybe just the fact that they're able to say it that they're in a safe space and they're just able to maybe just even talk about it i mean aside from you're talking about major things like having intervention and telling their mom about abuse but maybe just sharing and that's not something that you normally get to do in a school environment no it's you're you're right on um that's massive i'll, I'll never forget a girl in um i wouldn't even say the city the, the real city because i don't i don't want anyone to ever fi figure this out but we'll say texas and that's not right but that's fine mm -hmm. I'll, I'll never forget 